Today's gospel gives us three images of what Jesus calls the kingdom of heaven. First, the parable of the weeds and the wheat. Second, the mustard seed that is the smallest of seeds that grows into the largest of plants. And third, like a little yeast that provides the leaven for three measures of wheat flour. They communicate Jesus' awareness that some in his day were rejecting his message and ministry, while others accepted it, and that this would continue through the ages. They also communicate that the geometry or the physics of this kingdom works favorably from small, humble beginnings to produce an abundant outcome. In Christ's familiar way of communicating, as in these parables, he gives both a healthy warning and a solid assurance for those who hear his words and listen to him with understanding. The warning aspects urges his hearers not to give in to the temptation to judge a person or a thing by appearance alone, especially as it regards our faith. In other words, do not presume upon success, nor despair upon failure, because our Heavenly Father can and does will many different outcomes according to his own divine plans, both for man and for all of his creation. The most essential thing, once you hear the gospel and understand God's call, is to remain faithful to it. God can use what we might consider both the good and the bad for the eternally good aim of his will. The assurance aspects of the gospel teaches us that however we think we will navigate life, God, having claimed a people of his own, remains faithful to his covenant with them. He will succeed in building his kingdom, and those hearts that sincerely long to be with him will seek to accept his will for their life and then faithfully give witness to it. On a practical level, this means looking around to whom it is God has called us to serve. First and foremost, if we're husband and wife, we receive a call from God to serve one another in mutual love. In charity, then, we make our spouse's needs more important than our own, but seeking together to discern what those needs are and not presuming to know them. We pray for the grace to know God's will for us and our families and how he calls us to live as part of his people with the church. We don't look for success apart from those whom we've been called to love, nor apart from the church in which Christ brings that love to fulfillment among his holy people. At the same time, we as Christians should not give in to the temptation to think that success in life is a trustworthy indicator that we're following the gospel, at least not alone. 
In the same regard, we should never presume upon God that some failure in our life means that we are not following the gospel and that God is somehow punishing us for it. Success and failure, good health and bad health, whatever positive and negative measures you want to use, by themselves or alone, these do not indicate whether we're following the gospel or not. If you want the most assurance, do nothing against Christ's commandments, not the least of which is his instruction to his apostles who have handed it on to us to gather as one people, united by the one Spirit of God, to offer the sacrifice of remembrance in union with Christ, to do this in memory of me. In my years of study in Rome, I have grown in awe for the gift that is ours through the Holy Eucharist. This is not because I have found any particular success or despaired over some of my own failures in my studies, but on the contrary, it is through the persistent visitation to and celebration of these sacred mysteries that I have come to realize ever more profoundly the joy of the gospel speaking into even the moments of greatest challenge. The joy really comes through fulfilling our baptismal call to be called to an actual part of God's people, the church, and being fed in the liturgies through, through the words which Christ first spoke to his apostles and which the church has given to us in this way, not only to remember, but to live within our own life. We live these sacred mysteries. We don't just hear them or see them. Thus it is through the church that the world comes to know the love of God and not just about God, because the church is God's chosen instrument. And Christ promised his early church that even the gates of hell would not prevail over it. In the same light, the church, as spouse of Christ, reveals Christ in and to the world and does not simply speak a word about him. As a husband and wife are one, so the church and Christ. In her liturgies, then, we do not simply hear about Christ, but he is present to us by the work of the Holy Spirit. Our unity and worship is indicative of our unity with Christ, all made possible by his Holy Spirit. So let us avoid compromising our faith because we mistakenly think that the only way to win the favor of men into our club or into our church is through an unprincipled niceness. Be nice, but be bold in giving witness to the faith especially in our public celebrations of it. Be faithful and persevere, even if you are that one small mustard seed that remains in your family when all else have seemingly wandered further away. Or if you are that little bit of yeast at your place of work where no one else seems to care much at all about faith in God. For remember, 
Numbers or size matter little in a kingdom measured by faithfulness, a kingdom where even the smallest thing by the world's judgment becomes the most desirable thing of all, eternal life in union with Christ and his beloved people, the church that he called into existence through the offering of his body and blood. In this faithfulness of God's we find both our hope and the joy of the gospel. <laughs>